Welcome to The Quad, CCB's sport podcast. I'm Simon Hill, Deputy Head at Christ College, and I'm delighted that you've joined us as we discuss all the latest sports news at the school. We'll cover global sporting issues and also spend time with invited guests, all of whom have specialisms or interest in the world of sport. This is The Quad. Okay, everybody, welcome back to our first pod after the uh, half-term break. Um, it seems like we haven't met for a while, but I'm really excited to get into some really uh, good news, updates uh, from across Christ College and, and what's been going on in the sporting world. So, any highlights from your individual weeks? What's been happening? Anyone been doing anything? Oh, nice to get our first, uh, first away win of the season uh, against Carlo Duffin-Hammond, yeah. which was good. Uh, you went down to watch that one? You've been injured for a bit when you were... Yeah, yeah, I went down to watch that. It was good. It was nice like watching it from an outside perspective. Like seeing how it worked. Good. But yeah, it's definitely. Yeah, we'll talk about that a bit more, I think, a bit later. Anyone else got any other highlights from their sporting week or anything they did over half term? Um, no? Well, ben, what have you been up to? I had a NAGS camp. Nice. What does NAGS mean? National courses, is it? National Age Group Selection. Nice. So okay. it's the squad that they pick to take the test series. And where's that done at? Sapphire Gardens? Sapphire Gardens, yeah. It was a good day. It was only a day because. Uh, was enough time, unfortunately, for more. Yeah. But the day was good and we got all stand. Good. Brilliant. Mark, you didn't up too much? Uh, played a bit of football last week. Yeah. Um, Wednesday, first first fixture back. Yeah, that was nice. I was on the Astro turf yeah. as well. Yeah, on the Astro. Missing a few few key players. Uh, obviously, a disappointing result, but mm-hmm. it was fun. I think we're doing the same this Wednesday. Yeah. So, uh, so we're, we're going to get some retribution. And then cricket next started last week. The cricket, yeah, we, we've had a first um, cricket session uh, with the boys. Um, obviously, numbers were down, but it was a good, uh, good, good session to get us kicked off with. Yeah. Um, and yeah, clearing the rust off after a, a long winter. Yeah, a long winter, but um, some good preparation, I think, is in order for ready for the uh, the summer to come, which uh, we're looking forward to, especially on a day like today, which has been absolutely atrocious here at Christ College for uh, for those who weren't here. Um, okay, Brill, I think we've got to mention uh, the success of the cross-country team um, over the last few weeks, um, since the start of September really. Um, we've just finished our, our competition, the Paris competition, and how do we get on? Lads, I'm going to throw it over to Jack and Ben to kind of give us a bit of a summary. Well, so we all finished really well. The first place prize for the senior boys went to Christ Cole. As well as the senior girls. So explain how that works, Ben. How, how do you how do we get that? So it's all based on participation as well as placing. So it means that we've all placed pretty well and that we all run consistently, which is probably the main point of the cross country is just to get people out and to get people enjoying. Yeah, I think there's two strands, running. isn't there? There's that participation yeah. strand, mm-hmm. but also the team element where you have to have top four scorers. So you have to have an element of four people that make up a team, and it's depending on how high those people come yeah. each week. So consistently over the, the races, the senior boys team and did really well. Who's in that team, Ben? So that was Jack Organ, who sat to my right, myself, um, Will Thomas, who's in year 11, and Toby Palmer. See, Pete's also had a prior mention, sent his 5K PB. Nice. So to see him on the cross-country team is, it yeah. makes, makes my heart I swell. think there's, there's been some others who did run in that um, that team as well. So there's Will Gardner, I think. Yeah, Will Gardner, um, unfortunately pulled out of injury. He did he? In the, in, last, in the last one in bracket. Right. Good stuff. Um, how did the girls get on? The girls, they did really well as well. Senior girls came first. Ivana, Kata, Sally and Sophia. 
also played a huge Pat, part. Did you enjoy the cross country races? Yeah, it was really fun. Yeah. Yeah, um, I was uh, injured in the third and ill in the fourth, but I ran it. You still anyway. did them both. Yeah, and it yeah. was yeah, it was quite good. Brilliant. And how did the senior girls? They came first and second. So, yeah. what does that kind of tell us about the number of girls that were running? There were a lot. We were the um, the Christ College girls were the most in the in a um, in the competition. Yeah. Yeah. So the others were, I don't know, not many of them participate. Yeah, and I think that's great. It says a lot about our commitment, doesn't it? And, and the kind of mind space that we have and, and how important sport is to us here. I love the fact that we got so many girls and boys out across both or all competitions. Jack, how did you, uh, your, your kind of summary as kind of team captain, if you like? Well, I, I thought, yeah, it was really good. Lots of, lots of success with the teams, which was really good. Yeah, senior boys first, senior girls first and second, and junior girls first as well, so that was really nice to see. Um, and yeah, sort of a clean sweep there for CCB. So Absolutely, yeah, and I think special mentor for the junior girls as well, Anna, um, Cecily, Holly and Helly, who kind of consistently <coughs> came in that top. Um, that's probably a really hotly contested, junior girls and junior boys is a Definitely. really hotly contested um, year group or age group, and for them to come away with that. Um, and it, it was great, Anna, Anna and Cecily, um, finished first and second in every single race throughout the, uh, the four races. Um, I think Cecily won the first three and then Anna won the last race, which was a lovely little competition between those two as well. Um, so yeah, really proud and uh, the voting has started for our, uh, our cross-country t-shirt. So the coveted cross-country t-shirt, if you complete the races, the four races, you get the coveted top and um, yeah, the, the voting has started for the what colour is going to be. Jack? Yeah, so just a little special mention, I think Turbo, he was a standout performer for me. Krikal uh, uh, especially, watching afterwards, you know, he wasn't in a good way, he was, he was knackered afterwards, but I think it was, really, it was a really good moment. I was proud to see him leave it all out there for the badge. And for the junior boys looking up at him, I think that was great. Was leave sweet. it all out there, Jack. Showing that mean, dedication. What do you mean, leave it all out there? Did he? Well, he was know, in he, a bad. He died for the badge. Really. <laughs> he died for the badge. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what it's all about. You know, you've got to show the pride for the green and gold, and he epitomised that. Absolutely. So shout out to Turbo. Absolutely, and I'm really pleased um, that Mr. Goodrich has just joined us as well. So thank you, sir, for making it through. Absolutely. We've already talked about the weather here is horrendous today. So thanks for coming over. And obviously, as a the, uh, the leader of our cross-country team. So what was your kind of uh, feelings for the, the, the tournament and the, the competition this year? How do you think it went? One of the best years, I have to say. So 2023 will always stay with me, you know, South Power League-wise, um, for many reasons. The camaraderie, I thought, was excellent. Um, and for that, I would, I would single out the CD boys team. So um, uh, latterly, Ben McLean and Toby Palmer, aka Pete, Pete. Um, Pete. just kind of fostering this this really good atmosphere. Talking about the the, the strength of the season and um, how how it's your favourite day of the week, and uh, just just really kind of lifting the spirits of people on what is usually quite a sort of you know a forbidding time. You, know, you get to a Thursday and it's the November fixture, yeah. and it's raining and it's dark and it's muddy, and we haven't got Jack. So we, we don't know how the results are going to go. And, um, it was grotty as well, wasn't it, Thursday? It was, it was a typical November was day and it, was, it wasn't very nice. Muddy course I saw. And I think, I think it's totally right. Fast. That kind of camaraderie between the group is exactly what the junior pupils want to see. And they want to see that there is some value in it. They want to see, you know, I'm, I'm going to try and be like that when I get older as well. So that's really nice to hear. 
Um, good results as well, sir, though. So we, we just kind of gave a quick, uh, quick summary of, of the positions. And we talked about the junior girls and especially how kind of hotly contested that, that kind of competition is. Um, and so for Christ College to, to come away with, you know, first and second consistently throughout um, all of the races with Cecily and Anna, but also the team medal as well. That's a really good result, I think, for, uh, for our junior girls. Absolutely. A really good result for the junior girls and that sort of competitive nature between the girls coming first and second. Nobody knew what was going to happen. It was a proper sporting event. Yeah, it was um, great, wasn't it? Really and I would also shout out to the senior girls' silver medal positions. Sorry, Kata. Well done getting gold, by the way. But the silver medal positions just shows us how participation in girls' sport has yeah. improved over the last few years. Absolutely. I'm here, here to that. And long may that continue. Wear those t-shirts with the pride guys. Absolutely, yeah. We can't <laughs> wait to get those t-shirts out. Right, lots has happened since we broke for half term. Loads of sport. Um, one which is going to kind of still sticks with me um, was the Rugby World Cup. Um, who watched it? What did you think? Um, did you think that South Africa were deserved winners? Oh, I'd say that they, they they probably did deserve it just because they were like really really good in the final. I think that is one of the best performances I've ever seen a flanker have in Peter Stetter. Yeah, he was unbelievable that game. Uh, and Fafta Clerk as well I thought was really good um, but yeah I thought it really could have gone either way uh, New Zealand obviously if they made their kicks would have been ahead by six points mm -hmm. and would have ultimately won it despite being a man down despite being well. a man down as well yeah it was a huge effort from the All Blacks but yeah. at the end of the day it just wasn't one that got away for them maybe you think that you know that they'll be looking back and thinking yeah. one that got away yeah that was their World Cup Absolutely. Well, yes. Any sympathy for, for England and the way they went out in these no. series? They had, an easy, they had a bit of an easy run, I'd say. Mark, that's a road question. <laughs> <That's quite laughs> that. Is there any, any yeah, sympathy no. for England? Hang on. Um, Heartbreaking, isn't no. it? It's, um, it's amazing, isn't it, though, that you know, they lost by a point and then in the final it was only won by yeah. a point. So you imagine that if England had a couple of points more, they could have been World Cup champions. Absolutely. It would have been the biggest smash and grab. Yeah, it was quite an interesting statistic, actually. Uh, I. South Africa won their quarter-final, semi-final and final by less than five points, I think. So it was uh, quite interesting. Yeah. Well, I also thought it was quite sour for the All Blacks when uh, Arnie Sevier won Player of the Year. Yes. Uh, what, a few days after the World Cup. So, yeah, that, that can't be... It was a really, really good World Cup. I think the, the World Cup in, as a whole was, was a great one to watch. My, my highlight was the emerging nations, um, those second-tier nations, but I never really liked that tag. Um, and I'm hoping that's going to kind of slowly slowly kind of erode and we'll never talk about that but that was a really highlight for me was was the, the kind of the, the teams who we wouldn't traditionally think were were kind of rugby nations came and, and, and really performed um interestingly i watched uh, one of our fellow or previous pupils jack Locke, uh, made his international debut uh on the weekend for um, poland yeah um but portugal they played portugal in, in that and portugal looked very very good i watched kind of the highlights of the game and uh and Portugal ran out. I think they, they, they scored over 100 points against Poland. So, um, so then and that kind of that kind of goes back into the, the what we were talking about how Poland are really starting to emerge as this European um, rugby nation, which is which is great to see. So um, yeah, rugby World Cup. Das, what did you think? Yeah, I thought. Did you watch it? Yeah, I thought the final was definitely the best game of the World Cup. It was tight, wasn't it? Yeah, although gutted because. Did, who did you want to win? Them to win? You wanted them to win, did you? Yeah. I think, I, I don't know, a little straw poll. Who wanted South Africa? Anybody? I'm sorry. No, I wanted New Zealand as well. 
I, I, I really wanted New Zealand to win. So I think we were all disappointed at the end. It's anti-competition when, yeah. when the same team wins it to two. Yeah, so. that's true. Mr. Goodrich, did you watch? I watched a lot of rugby yes. during the World Cup, and uh, I, for me, it was the pure entertainment of it, from particularly from the quarterfinals through to the semis and then the final. And Ollie's statistic there of South Africa winning by one point in their the quarter, the semi, and the final. Do they deserve to win on that basis? I mean, you've got to say yes. I mean, that you win at all costs. Uh, I, did I want them to win? I'm not so sure, but it's full of ifs. Yeah. But I, I, I would argue that, like especially with the England game, that last penalty where Hanu Pollard got the, the, the penalty, was it really a penalty? I wouldn't say it was, but at the end of the day... That's fine margins, isn't yeah, it? It, is, it is really fine margins. And then, again, in the final, when um, Pollard kicked another one, uh, Wayne Barnes actually said to Ali Sevilla that he missed the, uh, yeah. the replay when it should have been a penalty. That's it. I know. So. It is fine margins. But that's why we love sports as well. Yeah. We've got to remember that you know, there was a lot of review afterwards about VAR, not VAR, but the assistant referees yeah, and, well. and now VAR with <coughs> constantly, is it ruining? And I think we've got to remember that it's refereed by an individual and we've got to keep that because that yeah. is why we love sport. Mistakes are made and that's what gives talking points, isn't it? That's why we talk and why we carry on talking about sport. Um, for example, if VAR, we've talked about the hand of God, haven't we? If VAR was um, around back when Maradona put that ball in with his hand, you know, that wouldn't ever be a talking point. It would have just been scratched off, job done. But as a result, it's one of the most iconic moments in, in sporting history, isn't it? So we've got to remember that we are human and, and the referees are human and they do make mistakes. Um, but yeah, I think draw a line under Rugby World Cup was great. Um, and I'm already looking forward to, uh, to the next one, which is in Australia. And um, so I'm hoping they're going to have a better, a better run of it. Ben, give us, uh, give us our Cardiff Met update. So Cardiff may have been playing continuously through the half term in the Premier Division. And they've had some pretty rough games. Have they? <laughs> yeah, against the top top side um, top sides in the league. So one of them was the OGs, the old Georgians. They got beat at 9-1 at home Whoa. in Wiz. Is that that 9-1 that's a that's a hammer. Oh that's that's a beast in there. Yeah. And it was it was so bad that by the end the OGs were trying to score like trick shots. Wow, uh, and, and where where are they in the league? Are they are they oh, they're still at the top? Yeah, where are so Cardiff Met? Are they still hanging on the bottom? Okay, so they're just missing relegation at the minute. Surbiton came down to Cardiff as well, eight 0 Wow, not a great fixture. Holcomb as well, one of the one of the better sides in the league, beat them six 0 So it kind of puts into perspective when Cardiff Met play against Welsh sides, all the other Welsh sides get. Destroyed. Mm -hmm. you know, when, when you're playing the cap against them, they're amazing. But when you put them up against the, the side of Great British and, and England hockey players, yeah, yeah. The, the managers, they're so well drilled and they just have the capability. So, so really their target is to, is to avoid relegation. That's got to be there. Yeah, I think the longer they stay, the longer their team will become more established. Yeah. I, mean, I find that not many people want to move to a non-established team in the Prem. Mm -hmm. just, you, know, you never know whether you're coming or you're going. That's why Good. people go for the big ones like Silverton. Well, thanks for that. Cricket World Cup, Mark? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to focus on it from an England perspective. But uh, I think, as an overview, uh, it, it was, it's just been a thrilling composition, as always, in India. Uh, I think after the, the slight issues with the, the fans at the start, uh, fans were allowed to enter stadiums and it, it got, got going. Um, India finished top of the group stage league table with 18 points, uh, followed by South Africa, Australia, New Zealand with Pakistan. Uh, missing out uh, by a win. 
uh, and which actually the, in, happened in the last game of, of the group stage against England, who have had a torrid World Cup, uh, and they, they end in seventh place in the overall group stage uh, table, on six points with six losses and three wins. And it looks like it's going to trigger a complete reshuffle of uh, the players and possibly the coaching staff with uh, Josh Butler and Matthew Moore uh, looking to really sort of make their mark on, on a team that uh, has to reshape and, and change following their win of the World Cup four years ago. And uh, it's going to be quite interesting to, yeah, to I watch think so. how, how it redevelops. How they do redevelop it's that. A new dawn in Odeon. Yeah. I think, I think that there's been a lot of fallout, hasn't there, of the, how poor that was. Um, some of their performances have been really poor. Yeah. I mean, I think that they haven't been helped by uh, performing conditions, uh, unreliable conditions, and obviously uh, a team that has been focused on other formats of cricket mm -hmm. uh, for a long time. Uh, and players who, who are getting older, obviously, and, and maybe can't be as, as adaptable to yeah. these different situations and all these, all these matches in short periods of time. So lots, lots to then so to consider. Conditions forward. and selection and confidence and yeah, obviously it all, all just sort of yeah. becomes a vicious cycle. Absolutely. Um, I hope they can bounce back anyway. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not too worried because obviously they've got, they've got people who have managed to achieve one of the best periods in cricket yeah. ever. Um, Absolutely. Because the way that England have performed in, in every format in the last five or so years has been incredible because they've won every single... Uh, competition that there has been to win it, obviously apart from the Test Championship, but they've they've gone to pretty much every team and won a series in each each format, and then they won a T Twenty World Cup, they won an ODI World Cup, and obviously the Ashes. But yeah, it's fine. It's it's, it's all right. Bas yeah, I'm, Bas sure, Bas I'm sure. Rocks. I'm sure they'll bounce back for sure. Um, right, a little bit of rugby update. We took a great school trip down to uh, watch uh, the Vodcom Bulls. Cardiff versus the Vodacom Bulls, or Vodacom Bulls, sorry, um, last Friday, which is a good little trip down. Um, good game to watch, Cardiff just losing that one. And then um, we had the regions all played this weekend, and they were, unfortunately, all of them lost, which is the first time that's ever happened um, on a weekend, all four Welsh regions losing um, on the same weekend, which you can't think, is that the first time? You know, but first time that's happened. So not in a good place at the moment, but fingers crossed they'll, uh, they'll all pr produce a good win for the following couple of weeks. Right, a bit of a roundup of Christ College sport uh, over the last week. So first week back, how did the hockey girls get on, Daz? Yeah, so on Wednesday, um, our seconds had a game against Bedstone College and they drew that one all. And then our juniors away had a game. They under 12s and under 13s both had games against Moorpark. Yeah, I think, they, I think they were good competitive games. Um, I'm not sure the, the the exact scores, but I think they were really close both ways yeah. as well. Um, then, first had a game on Saturday? Yeah, we did. It was a really good game actually against w Wycliffe. Mm -hmm. um, we won 6 0. That's is, Yeah, great start to the half. Good game, scoring so. as well. It's good to get a few goals as well, yeah. isn't it? Which would be great. And then, I know the seconds also played against um, Wycliffe College, and then, but I think some of their first played in yeah. that game, didn't they? Yeah. How did that one go? Um, I think the second found it quite hard, but they were playing a stronger side, seen as they were playing some of the first, so they did lose yep. 2 0. Um, and then good good competitive games for the under 15s and 14s. 
um, winning 2-1 and then the under-14s losing 3-0. So quite a good matched up fixture card there. Yeah. Maybe our, our seniors, girls, you, you guys a little bit too strong for their seniors. But yeah. further down the school, it looks like it was a really well well matched team. Um, rugby on Wednesday, all how did the uh, the seniors get on first? Well, as I mentioned at the start, uh, the first team, we went down to uh, Ammonford to play uh, us called Duffin Ammon. We came away with a good win, 29-12. I feel as though we could have put a lot more points past them, but... Uh, it was quite uh, quite awful conditions really. Mm-hmm. That's not the way to put it. We meant to play um meant to play on Ammonford IFC, but that pitch was uh, waterlogged, so we had to play on a pitch of the school, which yep. was was practically just a field with a few lines and a bit of post line. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but the spirited performance from them in the second half. I thought they oh, came yeah. back into it well. Second half. They they weren't they weren't a bad bad yeah. side to be honest. They were strong in defence, really good one on one tacklers, but. Um, yeah, we were a bit too strong in the end yeah, for them, weren't we? Definitely. Which is good. We got a bonus point win there. Yeah. Um, then quickly running through the rest of the results, um, the under 16s and under 14s they played away at Llandovery. Um Again, really good competitive fixtures. I think the under 16s were were on the back of a bit of a uh, a, a, a big big loss there. Um, but the under 14s game was a really good competitive game. Um, it's a good match. You were with the under you were the under 14s, weren't yeah, you? Yeah, they did very well. Yeah, yeah. It, was a, it was a great game of rugby. Uh, we went 15-0 down, but we came uh, came back to 15-10 right at the beginning of the second half. And there was hope. Yeah. It's just a little bit too much to do. A little bit left, a little bit too late. But yeah, that's, that sounds good for the future, doesn't it? Mm. You know, a nice competitive game between uh, two rugby-passionate schools. And then the um, the all-way crowd, they went away to the Downs. Malvern had a brilliant rugby tournament over there. Um, enjoyed lots of smiling faces, which was, uh, which was great to hear all about as well. Uh, moving on to next week. We've got a bit of a difference. Ben, what, what's happening next week's fixtures? So next week, we kind of see a bit of a return to netball. With our first seven going up against Clinician High School at home. So that should be good fun. Yep. And in terms of rugby, there's a second 50 game against Clinician High School at home. Boys under 15 and 13s game against Luckton. And the under 12s are playing St. John's on the Hill. Deep right. close away, so that'll be a really good fixture for them. I think the the senior boys will have a game next Wednesday or that Wednesday as well. Mm. Um, I think depending on where we finish in the league, um, it'll depend on what playoff or semi final playoff yeah. we, uh, we we play against. Yeah. So uh, if we win on Wednesday, then we'll finish third, presuming that Asperger lose to Gower, mm-hmm. which they most likely will, uh, and we'll play. I think Newport High School again. Yeah. Uh, and if we lose and Asa Levera lose then we'll play Gower yeah. so realistically they're both about the same strength yeah both tough games and that, so that's in the semi-final of the playoff of the of the league championship if you like and then the yeah. winner of that then would go on to play the final yeah, in principality, principality yeah. which, would be, uh, which would be a good one to get to um, but each game as it comes obviously brilliant well I'm really pleased Mr Goodrich is here with us thank you so much for giving up your time so I know it's uh, Precious, especially at the start of the week. So thank you for coming in. We have got some questions for you, if uh, if possible. And um, I think I'm going to throw it over to uh, to Jack to start us off. Yeah, so question one. What inspired you to become a teacher and how has your journey been so far in this field? What has inspired me to become a teacher? Um, the love of my subject and wanting to share that and to research my subject um, it is, is a key factor. Um, I didn't go into teaching until I was 27, so it took a while for me to find out that I wanted to be a teacher, but it was definitely a good choice. Um, I also 
felt that I wanted to work with young people. Working with young people is, is fantastic. And I, I'd done a lot of volunteering. I worked for the Commonwealth Games in 2002 when it came to Manchester. And it was like being a teacher in a school with the, um, you know, dealing with young people every day. And it keeps you young and it keeps you full of energy. And there's lot, lots of energy around. And I, I love that about being in a school. Um, how far, sorry, how, is, how has my journey been so far? Um, it's been fantastic. I wouldn't change it for the world. This is my third school. Uh, so I've been a teacher now for 20 years and I've got amazing experiences from all three schools. Um, and here I am at Christ College. What could be better than being head of geography and cross country at Christ College? Ah, absolutely. Brilliant. So when you were growing up, did you always have a passion for sports? And what were your favourite sports and why? I always had a passion for sports. Um, I was always out, outside and kicking a ball around and running. Uh, my favourite sports, athletics, football and rugby union. Um, particularly athletics and football. Um, those were the two that I participated most as a kid. Um, I found rugby when I, was, uh, when, when I, I got a bit older. Um, why are they my favourites? Uh, football and, and rugby, I, I love the... I love a team sport. Um, it's great to be um, working and in some cases hurting with yeah. a group of people and that develops a great bit of camaraderie and there, there's no <coughs> better feeling. Um, athletics is, is more of a personal challenge, isn't it? And, and running in particular when you are uh, challenging yourself or, or you're running against the clock or you're just seeing how far you can push yourself or, or if it's... Uh, if you're finding it hard, you're testing yourself all the time. And I liked that challenge. Brilliant. Could you share a memorable sports-related experience from your own school days that's influenced your teaching approach? That's a difficult one. I, I'm going to go my most memorable sporting-related experience off the cuff. I would go winning the Victor Ludorum at Christ College on Sports Day in my upper sixth. Uh, that's for uh, winning the most events on sports. Just day. describe that cup to us, sir, as well. Come on, for people who don't know what the cup looks like. The cup is, um, well, it's about. Um, uh, it's huge. It's it, the biggest cup it we've is, got. It is a big, big trophy, and it's um, it's got it's a silver goblet with yeah. handles on the side, and you can hold it above your head. <laughs> and in and fact, that that cup I think was first awarded back in. I, I get the date wrong, but I think it's around about eighteen ninety six. Wow. So it's a, it's a really precious cup. It's the oldest cup that we have. And we've still got the base with all of the little um, trophy uh, rosettes at the bottom, which have been engraved. And the first one, I think, is around about 1896, which is a long time ago. Mr. Goodrich wasn't here then. Anyway. <laughs> right. So I would say that was one of my most memorable um, sports-related experiences. Um, and... How has that influenced my teaching approach? I would say, well, winning the Victor Ludorum, you have to do track and field. And I'm going to make the link with just participating and trying new things, trying new sports. And um, uh, that's a good message to send to younger kids today. If they think they're just track athletes, try something in the field. Or if they think they're just a rugby player, try something else. Um, and I would always, as a teacher, encourage young people to try new sports or, or new disciplines. Sir, are there specific sports or activities that you are particularly passionate about teaching? Why are they significant to you? Passionate about teaching sports. I'm going to go with athletics coaching, I think. And um, I, like, um, I like running an athletic session with kids who aren't particularly natural athletes and, and, and have 
little experience in athletics. Um, I like the biomechanics and trying to um, uh, trying to trying to uh, improve coordination. So uh, my favourite sports session would be on the track in the summertime with a group of young kids who perceive themselves as non-runners and getting them to enjoy running. That'd be great. And I think, you know, it's, it's, athletics is such a good sport too that you can see the progress that people make very, very quickly by changing technique and getting the little kind of mistakes that they're making in their technique out and ironing those things out. And, and the, the leaps and bounds that you can make in athletics are massive. It's definitely one of my favourites too. Uh, and it's a transferable to skill to other yeah, sports as well. Yeah, for sure. Nice. Um, what's your best memory of CCP been so far? Is that as a teacher or as a pupil? Ooh, that's a good one. Whatever you want. Have one, one, both. Oof, have you got, have you got one from both? I think I've given you the um, the Victor Ladorum, yeah. schoolboy memory. As a member of staff, I'm going to go um, the inaugural dirge. Oh, yes. So this was a, a brainwave that I had in, um, I'm going to say, during lockdown. Yeah. And I was out running, funnily enough, and I, I got back and I composed an email to Mr. Patterson. And I said, I have all my best ideas running. And um, I just wrote down this idea of having a school run. And we could call it the dirge after the great man. And it has to be something a little bit different off the school grounds, up the hills, something really testing. And um, Mr. Patterson made it happen. And I, you, need, you need that in teaching. You, you, we can be full of ideas. And we can have these dreams, but you've got to make it happen. So um, sure enough, Mr. Patson and I went for a couple of drinks, put our heads yep. together. And, um, and last January, we, um, we saw the inaugural run and it went so well. It, it was, was a brilliant. beautiful day. It was a bit, it was touch and go at the beginning. Oh, just, can you remember doing it? Did you all do yeah, it when Cat wasn't here? Oh, oh. It, was, it was really, really, <laughs> really tough. Well, it was, I remember, I remember it was was really touch and go because it had been really wet for the few days before, and then uh, we got a thumbs up from Mr. Patson in the morning, uh, and all I remember is running out of the school and up this river, <laughs> and my feet being absolutely soaking wet. I told you it was a beautiful day. And, <laughs> yeah, and I just remember someone saying it was like around five k, and I looked at my watch afterwards, and it was like four and a half miles. <laughs> and I was like. Because we had to go and do a bit of a recce, didn't we, to That's make right. sure, because there was lots of standing water. There yeah. was areas of the of the course which were just, oh, they were on the edge, weren't they? We, but we, we did do our due, yeah. due diligence. Yeah. It was safe and um, everyone got back safe. It was brilliant. Um, but yeah, it was a good, uh, it was a really good day. So it's a, I can't wait for this year's one as well. You're going to do a few little that. tweaks. Well, mm -hmm. It depends on my ankle holds up or not. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, and what I a sense it. of achievement as well by, by just completing oh, yeah. it. Um, and getting your name on the board to say that you've completed the dirge, um, and I'm I'm really looking forward to this one. It's a great it's a great yeah. sporting memory, sir. Thank you. Right over to Cat for uh, your quick fire round, sir. Mm -hmm. Favorite sport? Athletics. Favorite food? Pizza. Favorite athlete? Steve Ovette. Favorite sports team? Manchester United. Favorite Olympic discipline? Eight hundred meters. Favorite sports menu? I'm going to go to the London Marathon course. And Ronaldo or Messi? Ronaldo. That's oh. <laughs> oh. another one for Ronaldo. <laughs> have you, have you so you run the London Marathon? Yes, six times. Six, yes. six times? Yeah. For the best time? Uh, 3.11. Oh, 
I'm impressed with that, you are. <laughs> that is <Yeah>. pretty, pretty <laughs> yeah. Glad you were impressed with that. And so you got the question seven spot on, by the way. Ronaldo or Messi? Absolutely Ronaldo. And See, me and all the United fans, and we do it. It's just raw talent. Raw talent. So oh, we yeah, have to say Messi. Right, we're moving on to our next segment um, about the most iconic sporting moments in kind of world history, if you like. And this one is all about a chap named Sir Roger Bannister. Now, very well known to me. Um, it's one of my favourite and most iconic sports sportsmen. Um, it'd be no well, well known to your parents, but I'm not sure how many of you guys will know about Roger Bannister. Um, what did he do? Who is he? Jack, over to you. Yeah, so on May the 6th, 1954, Sir Roger Bannister broke the, the four-minute mile barrier. And I think that was a sort of turning point in the history of athletics, really. It was a barrier that no one thought could be broken. There was a huge mental block. Several athletes, such as the, uh, the Germans, had tried to break it but failed uh, multiple times. So, yeah, it was, it was a huge moment. So he finished the mile in a time of three minutes, 59.4 seconds. Yes, yeah, that, that was a big moment, huge moment in athletics. And, and just to... And not to overstate it, really, there was no, there wasn't much TV back then. There's no internet. There's no social media. That, and people went out in their thousands, thousands and thousands and thousands to these organised events to watch people try and break what they perceived as something which was impossible. They thought that it was physically impossible for the human body to run a mile in less than four minutes. Um, and that's what was drawing the crowds. That's why so many people would turn up. Um, and we talk about te sports technology now being, you know, biometrics and, and looking at thousands and thousands of pounds being spent, millions of pounds being spent to make uh, the small marginal gains. Back then, they were putting big money into this as well. Um, Roger Bannister would have had his, his own, he had his very, very unique um, sports techniques that he was employing to try and um, sport diets that he was, he was doing to try and kind of get that edge. Yeah. Um, so yeah, go, oh, sorry, Jack. Oh, sorry, you. Jack. As our best ever athlete, and greatest ever athlete. Do, do, do you fancy the records? Do you fancy? Do you fancy breaking it? Well, one day I'd like to go sub four. I think. Well, for the for the metric mile, I've run three minutes fifty nine, very similar to this time. So add on one hundred nine meters, probably sixteen seventeen seconds. So. I don't know, one day, so if I can shave another 16 seconds off, it would be good. But it doesn't happen easily, I think no. that's one thing. It was broken in 1954. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about people who've done it since, but that didn't open the floodgates to, for millions and millions of people to do it. So it's still up there as a very, very iconic um, time and distance, if you like, to try and break. Yeah. Um, sorry, Jack, over to you. Well, yeah, he had two pacemakers, so Chris uh, Brasher and Chris Chataway, but... Trust me when I say that once those pacemakers drop out after lap two, it's a lonely 800 metres home, especially that third lap. I mean, the, the, like Sir mentioned, the, um, the crowd that came out and watched, that would have been definitely a big help. But yeah, you, you, really, you did, really did need all those marginal gains to sort of manage to break those He last tried to laps. do this a number of times before as well. And you can look up, there's a history on YouTube, you can type it in, Sir Roger Bannister. Um, four minute mile and it'll tell you the, how many times he's tried to do it and it will show you the actual they, they videoed it you can watch it um, and you can see how grueling it is um, and I, I'm not exaggerating thousands and thousands of people um, are, are paying to come and watch him try and do it because it's never been done before um, as I said lots of people have tried um, but the biggest thing for me was what happened next and it's that psychological 
um, moment, if you like, in athletics. And because one thing they thought that could never be broken, then very quickly started to be broken by an awful lot of people. Um, so yeah, this kind of psychological um, impossibility or physiological impossibility, if you like, then kind of straight after people were breaking it quite quickly, um, which which was which is psychology wise is really interesting to me. Um, ben, talk to me about um, other people that tried to do it. So athletes including Glenn Can Cunningham and Brenda Haag. There have been serious attempts to achieve this milestone in the 1940s and the 50s. And I think this just kind of outlines how much of a barrier it really was for people because you've had people trying to do it for 20 years, yeah. 30 years plus, thought it was impossible. And Sir Roger Bannister, <coughs> a lad from Oxford. Mark, his era, what was his era about? Yeah, so like Cunningham and Hug, um, Bannister had been working towards breaking the four minute mile record for a number of years. Uh, and he was focusing uh, on obviously the physical aspects but also the psychological aspects uh, and that is ultimately what let him uh, break uh, led him to break the, the record and um, his attempt was wasn't only a, uh, the completion of his personal ambition uh, but it sort of broke the, the as you said the psychological barrier uh, of, of the achievement uh, and obviously it was a collective achievement of the people that tried it before him as well absolutely um, afterwards, I think a month afterwards, there was a chap who broke it straight, like literally straight away after. So since he broke it, since Roger Bannister ran that four minutes underneath, he just went, and then the guy said, okay, well, it must be possible then. And then as soon as that happened, the floodgates opened and then, you know, I'm not saying thousands and thousands of people did, but certainly tens, um, tens, twenties, thirties people have started and, and now the list is up to thousands, you know. John Landy, John Landy. Australian, three minutes, 57.9. So yeah, well, that's almost that's like a second and a half. Absolutely, which is a a, a big gap in a, in a one mile race. So yeah, that again highlights the, the sort of the, the psychological element of it. That yeah, absolutely. Um, Cap, what about now? So fast forward, what are we talking? How many years? Someone do some quick maths for me. We're over fifty years, aren't we? Easily seventy yeah. years. Well, yeah, so, uh, so, so fast forward seventy years. What's the mile looking like now? So as, as of today, the man's world record of the mile stands at the astonishing 3 minutes, 43.13 seconds, held by the legendary American um, Al Rouge in 1999. Um, this record significant significantly faster than Benesser's accomplishment um, showcases the ongoing evolution and excellent in the middle distance running. I think, um, I think just looking at that, 3 minutes 43, Okay, so we've, they've taken a chunk off that, haven't they? You know, that four-minute barrier, and a huge amount of time. Um, and there's, there's this very special saying in athletics that a second sometimes, I can't remember the exact words, but a second can sometimes, you know, take tens and decades to break. So, you know, they've taken so much time off that in, 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 in that significant time. But interestingly, um, Kat, how about, how about the women? Yeah, no woman has yet run a four-mile um, the women's world record is currently at um, 4 minutes and 7 seconds, set by Feld Kibiegon of Kenya, set this year, 2023, on July. Absolutely. And Jack, you, you were saying that she's a very special athlete. You keep yeah. track of this. Probably one of the greatest of all time. So she had an, she had an outstanding season. She, she gave birth to, a, I think, a daughter only a couple of years ago. And then a couple of years later, she's 
if you break the 1500 world record, the mile world record, and then the 5k world record. And in that 5k, um, she was racing against Gide, the, the, the world record holder at the time. And at one point she went to the front and the commentator said, oh guys, she's slowing it down, she's tired, she's backing off the world record, she's making it tactical. And then she goes and runs something like a 27 last Broken. 200 and wow. absolutely smashes the 5k world record. And, and I, I truly believe that it's not going to take long. I think that there will be women and I think it will be a, another Roger Bannister moment. And it's, it's kind of, yeah. in sport, people call it the Roger Bannister moment. Once the psychological element has been broken, then the floodgates start to open and, and, and people can achieve things. Um, so I think it, it's probably quite appropriate. Um, first person to do it, first four-minute mile. Um, Sir Roger Bannister definitely has its place there, Jack. Yeah, the CCB motto was it? Was it like we we achieve because we believe we yeah, can believe to achieve? And that's evidence of that. Okay, so uh, we'll finish as we always do with our rockers and shockers. Um, rockers, I think we've definitely got to hold the South African rugby team up, up there. They they obviously back to back World Cup World, World Cup winners. Um, I think they definitely deserve to, to have a shout out. Um, Indian cricket, I think it's flying. I think that'll be very tough to beat, Mark. What are you saying? Nine nine wins from nine games, 18 points. Fantastic. Can't Brilliant. see anyone else winning that World Cup, can you? Well, I mean, I think we're saying that for failure here. But I, I think I think there's a potential for it to go wrong. Do you? Because it's... Who's, it's your, who's your outside long money on then? New Zealand. Right, New Zealand. It's watch, about time. Watch this space. <laughs> uh, Ballon d'Or winners. Who watched the uh, Ballon d'Or? Cat, did you watch the Ballon d'Or? Or do you... No, I just heard about it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think it's it's not really good um, that Messi won again because I think he didn't achieve anything this year. I think well, they are... the World Cup. But think, yeah, but Saturn, it's it's since nine time. It's it's um his ninth uh ninth, ninth time. Yeah. yeah, and um, yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot of controversy about that, wasn't there? I think they still might be living. A little bit in Messi's past. Obviously, he is the best player to ever play the game. But the no, second no, no, Mr. Mr. Goodrich just said that it was. Uh, no, I mean, Mr. Goodrich is incorrect. <laughs> yeah, it was, you know, Messi's the best player to ever play the game, hands down. But I do think in a season when he's 36 or 37, that he should still be getting the best player in the world. Playing for David Beckham's into yeah. Miami. I mean, there's, there's a lot of context, isn't there? Yes, he won the World Cup. But he's now not yeah. playing in the, in the top league. He didn't really do much for his team, PSG, last year. They certainly didn't kind of hit the highlights that um, some players did. Certainly. Um, he did have a very good World Cup. Yeah, yeah the, the, that's the, one the point is, for the best individual performance for a player over the course of a year, not... Yeah, it's not very long. How long is he? He's um, pretty much over like the last 15 years he's played the game. It's, I reckon it. I hate saying this as an Arsenal fan, but it should have gone to Harland. Oh, I didn't want to say it, but yeah. yeah. I, think so, I think so. On Harland, I've kept my receipts. So, two members of the pod a few weeks ago said, would he be able to do it again? Would he be able to replicate what he did last year? 12 goals in 13 games, or 13 goals in 12 games, and he is on track to have the same goal scoring record as last year. Wow. And that's on track. Tapping on track. not a tapping He is a puncher. Also, as well, we've got another uh, English football player doing great things in uh, the Bundesliga cap. Yeah, Hurricane. Um, it's now the 11th day in the league um, this year, and he has already more goals than um, the top scorer last year. He has um, 17 goals in 11, uh, in 11 games, and last year the top scorer scored. 
16 goals in 34. Does that say a lot about Harry Kane or how easy the league is? Um, no, I think he is really good. Um, and last year it was um, many like many different scores and sure. this year it's just Harry Kane. Through him. Yeah, and uh, the last years it was, for example, just um, Lewandowski and last year there was nobody and then, yeah. yeah. yeah all, all, all I'm saying is Union Berlin qualified for the Champions League in a, in a, in a, in a Bundesliga, so will that, he, that's will, a story. Will he be able to do it and will he do it and get Bayern to the uh, Champions League? I think when you start facing those tough league, those tough competitions and those tough teams in uh, England, the latter, latter round. Yeah. He's such a generational, incredible talent. Well, come on, lad, yeah. you perform for England. I, I think it's coming out. It's coming I'm on it. But I think the Champions League could be really interesting for Bayern Munich because they um, they lost against another team in the um, German Pokal and. Um, they lost against a team in the third league. Wow. So, <laughs> the Champions League could be very interesting. Yes, we'll watch this space with that for sure. Um, lastly then, any shockers? I'm going to put England cricket in there. Sorry, Mark. No, you're um, right. They you're definitely right. had a shocker. They, seventh out of eighth, um, really didn't turn up in the World Cup. Um, and um, I'm, I'm probably going to say that Man United are out of the shock. Yeah, but for once. They're, so, I think that they lead the form table. They do so lead the form table. Yeah, well, I mean, weirdly, a couple of one nil wins and yeah, it's not been too I convincing. Saw that but Copenhagen game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh dear, that, that is a shock. Oh dear, yeah. I mean, Rashford, Rashford, Rashford can go in there, and so not not just England cricket, but Rashford can go in there as well for uh, having an absolute shocker. Um, right, everybody, thank you so much um, for the first part back after half term, and I look forward to seeing you all next week.